0: Temptation is everywhere. I say that because, yes, I did see that Vulture article about the audio fiction shows that defined the genre. And yes, I have thoughts about it. Thoughts that could fit into the podcast saga had I not just announced its not exactly end. Maybe I should have seen it coming but I'm not all that active on Twitter anymore because that platform for me on a good day is a colossal time suck and I don't really have much time to spare. We're not even going to talk about the bad days. I'm just going to leave it at this. It's a complicated relationship, so I come and go as need be. But I did see this article and it reminded me of more of the shows that I love that I could comment on. Shows that I had considered commenting on. But I had to make the difficult decision of setting aside those topics for now, just so I could keep the show's momentum. Well, the production momentum. I can't really control how you feel about the show. But I am going to hold firm to my original plan. I have to. I have already done a fair bit of the prep work for some topics from other mediums, And I'm pretty excited for them, and for this show to be a bit less of a hot mess. So, slight revision to the plan, with some clarifications. Podcast episodes are going to be a monthly guarantee from here on out. But they will be the only type of guarantee. Books, movies, television shows, etc. All those things are going to come and go. It'll be like a surprise every week except for the podcast week. But other than that, the plan continues as normal. So this will be the last episode of the podcast saga for a while. It turns out that this while will be a month, but between now and then I'm taking next week off in hopes that I'm not going to be so at the mercy of the highs and lows of my daily life. I mean, that's only going to give me a bit of a buffer, but it's better than what I'm dealing with now. Which might be a negative, in terms of a buffer. I'm not going to think about that now. What I am going to think about, and what I did want to talk about this week, is essentially the pulling podcasting is experiencing. Or the growing pains it's experiencing. Or the labor pains? I don't know. I was genuinely looking for a good metaphor to put in there, but I never found the right one. But that was based on a particularly bold assumption, I think. Because now, I don't think this sort of thing could have ever been classified or sorted so easily. And I'm talking about the future of podcasting, this new horizon it could potentially be on, and the serious ramifications of that shift. Certainly you've noticed, right? Podcasting is being portrayed or is seen as the next media frontier, a place full of opportunities for commercial success and growth, and established voices are now flooding the figurative market. I say figurative because this is not the next gold rush. As in, there is no physical resource we are all pursuing. It can be hard to break even on podcast production, never mind make a profit. But then again, a celebrity might bring to the table a certain amount of prestige that a streaming platform would love to cash in on, or invest in with some exclusive content deal. This goes beyond Luminary, if your mind went there. Spotify has done it too. But even when we aren't talking about exclusive content deals, let's say someone with an established following were to post segments, or the entire episode with video of their podcast on YouTube. Well, now there's AdSense. Or even basic advertisements in their content is a completely different game. Because even if a podcast platform doesn't want to lock down an exclusive deal, other brands will. And from that desire comes more potential advertisers. Probably a bigger catalog than any indie podcaster could hope to see. Which would then sidestep the issue of advertisement fatigue, that then escalates into a disconnect between the podcast producer and the podcast consumer. You can see what I'm getting at, right? There are advantages to an established voice, quote, cashing in on this trend, which has been noticed, and will continue to bring people in. And what will that mean? I'm not going to pretend that I know what this will all entail, or that I have the sort of expertise necessary to make definitive statements, or trustworthy ones. But personally, I don't necessarily think that something so entrenched or so fundamental to the understanding of a medium can be changed so easily. As long as other indie podcasts continue to rise up, that scene will hold its ground. Casual listeners might find it harder to break into our world, but not necessarily. I would say that barrier for an audience member would just change forms. Rather than persuading someone that podcasts are worthy of their time, it will be a conversation to try to get them to try a specific show from a content creator they've never heard about it will more closely resemble pitching television shows or movies to your friends, rather than trying to get them to download a podcatcher in the first place. And as a way of further emphasizing that there is still a place for new indie podcasts, I'm going to talk about some today. One that had its debut on the International Podcast Month RSS feed, and some others that have a few episodes, or at least one episode, under their belts, including the new Miscellany Media show. Hi, it's Em. Welcome to episode 72. So, I'm going to go ahead and start with the new Miscellany Media Studios show. I mean, it might make it easier for you to skip if you are not interested. But why I think it is important in an episode like this is that... Well, this particular audio fiction show genuinely cannot exist in another medium. It is podcasting or nothing. But basically, Aishi Online is the second audio fiction show for Miscellany Media Studios, and it was launched in September on a bi-weekly schedule. It's the story of the voice actor from Oracle of Dusk, who after she finds she can't maintain something as simple as an in-character Twitter account, starts to carefully consider her relationship with the digital world, a major part of which was the online friend she made in an obscure forum attached to a just-as-obscure game. The basic premise of this is that MJ can finally tell her own story. Well, it's meant to play with reality a bit, though. And that's only possible if MJ can have an internet presence again, in which she has to struggle to create a proper sense of divide. And perhaps more importantly, MJ needs to have access to a medium she can post to completely unfiltered. Believe me when I say that if MJ had to face any sort of scrutiny, the story she tells couldn't be told. There are pretty critical details that someone else would have caught if anyone else was involved. It's like found footage. Actually, no, it really isn't. It's also an investigation that doesn't have to answer to anyone. Okay, even that description doesn't quite feel right. It's a podcast. A person telling their own story that might not find its place anywhere else. Reasons for such aside. Okay, with that out of the way, second is the podcast that has yet to launch, and it's called Y2K. It's slated to go live in January 2020, however, it did release a prologue on the International Podcast Month RSS feed. If you are too young to remember, Y2K as a concept was this big freakout that happened during the new year when 1999 became 2000. So why is year and 2K refers to 2000? The year 2000? While I'm cutting out a lot of nuance, I know that's not a great thing to do, there was this fear that computers couldn't handle the turn of the century and would completely crash. That this new era, this new turnover, was going to mark the end of civilization as we knew it. Because yes, we were already fairly dependent on technology back then. While it is definitely too soon to tell, the Y2K podcast seems to be capturing this idea. Jess and Kat, two friends who live in the year 2000, are on the verge of a major shift in their lives beyond the new millennia. And that is, they will now be living an ocean apart, and will be dependent on voicemails to most effectively communicate. While they seem fairly optimistic in the trailers and in the debut episode that this will work, there is still a lingering fear that this could actually be some sort of definitive end to their friendship and not just a new chapter. As an additional layer, their stories are being brought to us by Olivia, a present day or 2020 day student who is turning these voicemails into a podcast. And while we haven't seen or heard too much of her yet, It seems like making this podcast is her major shift, which, as someone who makes podcasts, is an accurate way of imagining what it can feel like. I'm trying to make comments on limited information and I recognize that this is not a wise thing to do, but okay, as a listener, I know that Y2K already has a website, so I went to it, and the description of the show there reads that it is a story about love, identity, and long-distance friendship, which grounds what this alleged shift is going to be about. These things are just as critical to the self as computers were to life in 1999, and still today. So the clock hands have turned over, but we are going to listen to the reckoning unfold. There is a great Twitter feed that helped me find this next show. The feed is called Audio Drama Debut. For those who might have 48 hours of content in their backlog but still want to find new audio dramas, I feel called out and I'm the one who said it. But there's this podcast that just launched this week called Dart. It's about grief, fear, and life in the gig economy. The gig in this case is the app called Dart, a food delivery app where someone else darts to the store to get you your burrito, pizza, or veggie burger. Whatever you can't get for yourself because, let's say, you're sick in bed, you're behind in your work, you were editing a podcast, and now your cat has somewhat pinned you to your chair. Wait, it doesn't work for that last one, because then you have to get up to get the delivery. So that's not a great solution. Regardless, anchored in this story is the modern way some people provide for themselves. So it is a very modern story for a very modern medium. You can make whatever jokes you want about every millennial having a podcast, but this is our home, and we will put our feet on the furniture if we want. As in, we took this concept and ran with it. We'll tell whatever stories we want. Thank you very much. At this point, it's hard to say exactly where this is going to go, but I feel a momentum there, albeit not a very explicit one. It's in the character and the character of the story, like including a panic attack in a darker situation, like uncertain dark. I almost wish I hadn't discovered the show so soon because it feels like it has a binge-worthy appeal to it, and the Twitter bio promises some paranormal elements to this microfiction, So, yeah. Speaking of bingeable shows, Disenchanted has two episodes out. Which is a little better, for binging. I wish it was more. Again. Its main character, Lyra, whose audio diary we are listening to, inherits this old house from her father out in the country. Where, hey- No neighbors to deal with, so audio-blog to your heart's content, but, you know, neighbors can at least feel like deterrence to certain problems, but other ones can happen no matter where you are. Life gives and takes. And Lyra is trying to seize what this new opportunity gives, but it's not going to come without its drawbacks, and we, the audience, happily get to be along for the ride. Put happily in quotes. In terms of the title, I can't tell yet how much Disenchanted is about disillusionment or the paranormal shenanigans that just seem inevitable when you're isolated without neighbors. I'm sorry, but I don't hear about ghosts in new apartments whispering in sync lyrics into the night. There's a time and place for these things, is all I'm saying. The final podcast I want to discuss is Radioland, a show that has already had a pretty respectable run. It's RSS feed having five episodes from a September launch. The story is that of the radio in the community of Wendell, a community that Gabe Rodriguez now finds himself in. He has also found that nothing here makes a great deal of sense, even if everyone else seems to think it does and, sure, cultural relativity and all that, but it quickly becomes apparent that these differences are actually deeply concerning in a more objective sense. It's just not something people are going to immediately realize, because it will still feel like they're normal, and they are constantly hearing both about it and that it is their normal. They have this feeling constantly being affirmed, So it is easy to understand why they are so steadfast in their beliefs that this is truly normal and that's a pretty critical detail. Radioland is, among other things, about our relationship with the media we consume. It is a window into the world outside of our own heads. Actually no, scratch that. It's more like the series of windows we have that looks out beyond the world of our immediate circle, beyond the world that bore us and tries to shape us. These windows help us lay out the larger land we could wander around in if we so choose to do so, and also shows why we might choose to do so. It also shows us the various opportunities available to us, things to do and be. And as a part of all of that, It can confirm or dispute the statements we were told about the rest of the world, our families, and ourselves. And while it sometimes can be difficult to admit that we have come to believe lies, it can be very much necessary. And I think one of the major strengths of Radioland is not just that it argues this, but that the entire show has this spooky, surreal quality to it. It is acknowledging that feeling and that discomfort. It essentially meets the listener where they might be, This has been a production of Miscellany Media Studios with music from the Sounds Like an Earful music supply. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, consider leaving a review or buying us a Sakofi. All those links are in the description.